Well, good morning, church. Come on. How are you guys doing this morning? Yeah, you can grab a seat. You can grab a seat. Yeah, a couple people excited to be in, in the house of the Lord? Okay, just a few. All right, all right, all right. Well, I just wanted to say as, as we get started, um, whether you're joining us in person here in the auditorium or you're out in our overflow, I just want to shout out our, our overflow room right now, or, or perhaps you're joining us online as part of our online campus, our online family, we are so blessed to have you guys here. Like, church is all about people. Church is all about community. Church is all about a gathering together and worshiping God together. And, and so I just want to say how blessed we are to be able to gather, to be able to worship, to be able to hear the word of the Lord this morning. And, and, and so I'm, I'm just excited for this morning because I believe God has something for each and every one of us. Um, see, I believe there is a reason that you're in this building right now, that Perhaps this is the first time in two months that you came to church and you woke up this morning and you felt just something tugging on your heart saying you should go to church. Or, or maybe you're, you're scrolling through YouTube or Facebook and, and this video popped out and you're like, maybe I should tune in. And I believe there's a reason and, and I believe that's because God has something for you this morning. God wants to say something to you this morning. So Father God, I just want to pray over your people, Lord. As we dive into your word, God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you are doing in our midst, God. God, I just pray that you'll give me the words to say and that I'll be able to speak them with wisdom, God, to speak them properly and accurately, God, and that we will receive what you have for us this morning. I pray this in your name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I don't know about you. I came to church excited this morning. Anybody excited to be at church? Come on, come on, come on. You guys are really loud. I'm loving this so far. Um, but I came excited. I came expecting God to do something. Um, and, and it really, it has to do with the, this word that God's given me to share this morning. I'm, I'm just so sto- stoked about it because God gave me this word over a year ago now. It was back in November 2019, you know, before covid Anybody remember before COVID at this point? It's back when COVID was the unnamed virus that was spreading through China. Um, before all of the craziness that happened in 2020 and everything, God gave me this word. And when he gave it to me, I was so, so excited. And I was scheduled to preach just a few weeks later. I was like, yes, God, you gave me the perfect word to share. And God was like, no, no, I need you. I need you to wait. And, and so if, if this word speaks to you this morning, know that it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God positioning me and preparing me to share this word and God positioning you and preparing you to receive this word. And so, so I want to start us off, though, with, with this word out of 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17. It says, chapter 5, 17, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed as king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. So we'll pause there for a second because, you know, context is important. Basically, David, he was anointed as king at the age of 15. And now at the age of 30, he's finally stepping into this calling God has had for his life. Pretty cool moment. And throughout history, Israel and the Philistines, well, they really didn't get along. They hated each other and they were constantly at war. And so David is anointed king and the Philistines hear about this and they're like, Let's screw him over. And, and so the Philistines, they, they mobilized all their forces to capture him, but David was told they were coming. So he went down to the stronghold. Then the Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Raphaim. So David asked the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? 
will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied, yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. So David went out and defeated the Philistines. But David was told they were coming, so he went down to the stronghold. And from the stronghold, he asked God, should I go out to fight the Philistines? He went to the stronghold and asked, should I go out? So I want to talk to you guys this morning on, on the topic of unwise decisions. Unwise decisions. And I've called this message, Stuck in the Stronghold. Quick poll of the room, though. How many of you have ever made an unwise decision that made you feel stuck? Come on. Just a few of us in the room? Come on. Come on. And when I ask that question, I'm not specifically referring to, like, the intentional dumb decisions that we do. You know, where we know what we're doing is wrong, but we do it anyway. Anyone make those decisions before? Uh, a lot less hands this time. I'm not referring to, you know, the accidental dumb decisions we make. I'm sure any married man in the room knows exactly what I'm talking about. Where without thinking, you do something or say something that you're like, you didn't intend it to go the wrong way, but it, it, then it goes the wrong way. But what I'm specifically thinking and referring to this morning is the dumb decisions that we make with the best of intentions that just go the wrong way. Anyone make those decisions before? Come on. Dumb decisions that we make, or we think we're doing the right thing. We think we're making the right decision. We're trying to do what's best, but it just all goes wrong. Because, you know, sometimes in the passions of life, it's, it's easy to make a decision based on our wisdom. To make a decision based on what we think is best that we then later regret. It's easy to get stuck in our perspectives. It's easy to get stuck in our beliefs. It's easy to get stuck in what we think is best in our wisdom that... We try to do the right thing, but then we find ourselves in a place we never expected to be, and we feel stuck. Stuck in a, a marriage because you got married young, and you expected this dreamy fairy tale romance. And then you found out, as all married people in the room know, marriage is hard. It's not all rainbows and butterflies, and you weren't ready. You feel stuck, or stuck in a career where felt right at the time, and now it's been 10 years, and you feel like you should be moving on, but you've gone so far down this career path, it, you feel like it's too late to move on to, to something different. You feel stuck, or, or stuck because in a moment of passion, you made a decision 20 years ago that now you regret. A decision that if only you had realized the whole picture, if only you had seen the bigger picture, you never would have made that decision. You feel stuck. Because, you know, if I think we're being honest with ourselves. Most of us would agree that one of the most difficult things for us to do in our lives is to make good, wise decisions. Anyone else struggle with making good, wise decisions? Come on. Come on, because the reality is we all want a good life. 
we all want to have a good marriage. We all want to have good kids. We all want to have a good career. We want to make good, sound financial decisions. We want to have a good life. But all too often, there's a gap in our decisions between what we think is wise and what is actually wise. And, and some of this, I think, actually comes from a misunderstanding of what wisdom is. So a couple years ago, I started playing with some, some of my friends here at the church. I started playing a tabletop role-playing game known as Dungeons and Dragons. And I know, I know, some Christians are like, oh, that's demonic. Well, you know, Paul says in Romans 14 that nothing is unclean unless you believe it to be unclean, which tells me that sometimes it's less to do with what you're doing and more to do with the condition of your heart. But anyways, all of that aside, I started playing... Um, D&D with uh, some of my friends, and, and the principle behind this game is essentially you create a character that you then role-play with your friends, and then you role-play them through adventures, and it's a great way to explore personality and to hang out with friends and whatnot, but, but I started doing this, and, and part of creating a character in D&D is they've simplified like your physical and your mental attributes into sti- six different types of statistics. So you have your physical attributes, such as your strength, like how much can you lift? Your dexterity, how fast can you move or dodge out of the way? Uh, your constitution, which is really how healthy are you? And then on the mental side, you have three other statistics, which is your intelligence, your wisdom, and your charisma. And now if I'm being honest with you, I've always struggled with understanding the difference between intelligence and wisdom, because they just always seem very similar to me. Like charisma, very easy. It's how much do people like you. Um, but, but intelligence and wisdom can be a little bit difficult. And, and I've always struggled with this and like wondering like, if somebody is highly intelligent, what's the difference between a highly intelligent person and a very wise person? What would it look like if a highly intelligent person were not wise at all, or a very wise person were not intelligent at all? What, like what, what, what would that look like? And I've always struggled with that. And um, and finally, uh, through, through D&D, uh, one of my friends showed me this meme that really helped me and, and might help you a little bit. But they, this meme said, intelligence is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Come on, how many of you just learned something new in the room? <laughs> intelligence is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put a tomato in a fruit salad. And charisma is being able to sell a tomato-based fruit salad. <laughs> Intelligence is knowledge. It's the things you know. But wisdom is the ability to use your knowledge and use your experiences to make good decisions. Wisdom is the application of knowledge and experience. It's taking what you see and what you believe in the world and and applying it to your life. But you see, the danger with wisdom is if your wisdom is based on your knowledge, then fundamentally, if your knowledge is flawed, your wisdom will also be flawed. If you have the wrong perspective about the world, if you believe the wrong things, your wisdom will be based on lies. Which means that wisdom can easily be warped by our perspective of what is true. And so, when we try to make wise decisions in our life, based on our flawed wisdom or other people's flawed wisdoms, we can start to make decisions that we later regret. 
So, so it really what it comes down to is if we want to make wise decisions in our life, if we want to make good decisions in our life, if we want to make the right decisions in our life, we need wisdom. We need to be based in the truth. And so the question we must begin to ask ourselves is, is this. What is the source of my wisdom? Where does my wisdom come from? Second Samuel 5.17, we find David was anointed as king, and it says, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed as king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming, so he went down to the stronghold. We'll pause there again, because this is a really cool moment. David has just become king over Israel. He'd been king over the southern kingdom of Judah, which was made up of two of the 12 tribes of Israel. And now he's become king over all of the tribes of Israel. He's united the kingdom of Israel, which was a fulfillment of a promise that God had given him 15 years before when the prophet Samuel had come to him at the age of 15 and anointed him to become king. And 15 years later, David is finally stepping into the calling that God had for his life. But but he's stepping into this calling. He's stepping into this place. He's stepping into his destiny, so to speak, where God has prepared him to be. And suddenly the first thing that he encounters is opposition. And you know, very often people think that conflict is a sign that they're not walking in God's will for their lives. People think that if I'm called by God to do something, Everything will just be perfect. There will be no problems. All, my life will just, be, uh, will just be perfect when I do what God is calling me to do. But the reality is, when you step into the calling God has for your life, there will always be opposition. There will always be Philistines. There will always be people standing in your way being like, Really? You? Really? Because the presence of problems doesn't mean that you're doing the wrong thing, but often that you're exactly where God has called you to be in your life. And the Philistines, they they hear about David, and they hear he's become king, and they decide, well, this isn't good. He's united these 12 tribes, because previously Judah, the, the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel were at war, which is great for their enemies. Now David is king over both, and they're like, he's united the kingdoms, we need to do something about this. And they're like, let's set the narrative of his entire rule by going out, gathering our armies, and capturing him. But David, he hears about this plot. He hears what they're going to do. He hears that the Philistines are coming. So he does the logical thing. He goes to the stronghold. He went to the fortress. He went to the, the castle got surrounded by walls, surrounded by men. He went to the safest place where he could go, where he would be surrounded by his men. He'd be protected by walls where he could be easily defended. He went to the stronghold. And the beauty of this decision is now David is in the safest possible place he could be. He's in the safest possible place. He has an army around him. He has walls around him. The Philistines are coming to capture him. Well, guess what? They have to go through all of his men and his walls to get to him. And, and, and the beauty of this is, is the idea that strongholds were meant to keep people safe. Like, their entire design was with one simple pur- purpose. 
That was to make it as difficult as possible for others to capture. And the reality is, they were very effective at their job. That's why we have ruins of castles all over the world, because fortresses, castles, strongholds were very effective at their job. Like, if you look at just a couple verses earlier in 2 Samuel chapter 5, it, it tells us that David then led his men to, to Jerusalem to fight against the Jebusites. So he's going to capture the the. Cap, future capital city of Israel, and he goes against them, and the Jebusites taunted David, and they said, you'll never get in here. Even the blind and lame could keep you out, because they were surrounded by strong walls. And <laughs> they're like, David, you got a large army. That's great. Yeah, I'm just going to send my blind men and my lame men up to the wall, and we'll just, we'll keep you out, because castles were very effective. It's why Joshua, when he came to Jericho, he looked at the city, and they're I, we're not going to be able to capture this. And God's like, okay, here's the strategy. I want you to march around the city once for six days, and then on the seventh day, march around it seven times. And, and Joshua went forward with that strategy because it was, it, it was, he had no hope of capturing it on his own. And, and David, to capture Jeru, or to, yeah, J, David to capture Jerusalem had to send men crawling up a well to break into the city and attack them from inside. And See, strongholds were very, very effective at keeping people safe. And while in the strongholds, while in the safe place, this place of safety, the enemy approaches and they fill the valley of Raphim, which ran along the western side of the city. And David, from this place of safety, does the most illogical thing he could do. Verse 19, so David asked the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? So recently I've been uh, watching a lot of random YouTubers and YouTube videos, and I love watching just random stuff like tech reviewers and learning different random things from, from people who post on YouTube. And, and, and recently I came across this one channel that I've just found fascinating because I've always been super interested in like ancient warfare and medieval warfare and castles and things like that. And, and this guy, he, he's a reviewer of, of castles. So he takes basically castles out of TV shows and movies and reviews them and says, this is why this castle sucks, basically. And, and the other thing that he does is, is he... He reviews like the decision-making process and the tactics displayed in, in medieval-based movies. And so recently, I, I watched this video that he did about the movie Mulan. Has anybody seen that movie? Okay, a few people. All right. Um, I'm not going to spoil it much. There's a minor thing I'm going to say. Um, but in this movie, in this movie, we find this girl Mulan, she rides into this fortress, this Chinese stronghold, and she approaches the general, and, and, she, and, and the general finds out, like, there is a massive, massive army coming towards us. There is a lot of men coming towards us. We are vastly outnumbered. Um, we should prepare for a siege because the enemies are going to come against us. We need to fortify. We need to prepare. And the general, he, he, he makes this comment, and he's like, no. We move out. He who moves first controls the battle. And I was watching this YouTuber's review, and, and he's an expert on these like, battlefield tactics, and I watched this guy flip out. He's like, no! This is the most stupid, illogical thing you could do. You've got a massive enemy. You've got a smaller army. You should stay in the fortress. 
Stay in the stronghold. Make the enemy come to you. Make them climb your walls. Make them attack you. The whole time they're attacking you, you can be shooting arrows at them. You can take out way more men that way. And he's like, this doesn't make any sense. Never leave a defensible position to attack an enemy, especially when they're larger than you. But David is in this fortress and he prays, well, should I go out? And this prayer, it defies logic. It defies human wisdom. Human wisdom would say, no, stay in the fortress. Make them come to you. They want to capture you? Okay, well, make them climb your walls. But the cool thing is that we see, verse 20, the Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. So David went out and defeated the Philistines. You know what David did in that moment, the decision he made didn't make sense. But what I've come to realize is that sometimes the right decision for your life is not found in the stronghold. It's not found in the safe place. It's not found in what's logical in the moment. But often, the right decision for your life is, is found in your faith. See, sometimes the wisest thing we can do with our lives is to not stay stuck in the stronghold of our wisdom, but to actually turn to God and receive His wisdom. And you see, if you read the Bible, especially like going through um, some of the different letters that Paul and James wrote in the New Testament, you see like, you start to see this drastic difference that the Bible paints between human wisdom and God's wisdom. One is called foolishness, the other is called wise. And, and really, I think this, this dichotomy of human wisdom versus God's wisdom can be summed up like this. See, on the one hand, we have human wisdom, the wisdom of this world. It's things that people think make sense. It's the decisions we make based on logic, facts, opinions. It's the wisdom found from your knowledge to make good decisions for your life. It's, you know, the things like, well, I don't have a ton of money in the bank, and I know that God says that I should give 10% to, the, to, to him, but I don't have a ton of money in the bank, so I'm just going to hold on to it. That's human wisdom. It's things like, well, I've got a stable job right now, and I feel like God's calling me to something else, but, but I don't want to leave this place of safety, this place of stability to go and step out in faith. No, 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 I'm going to stay in the stable job because I need an income. That that's, that's just makes sense. It's, it's human wisdom. It's things like, well, your kids are acting up, so what, what am I going to do? Oh, well, I'm going to go on Google and type up how to discipline children and pick the top three things, which all apparently are completely vastly different things. One says you should punish them. The other says you should talk to them. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it, it's, it's human, human wisdom. And then on the other hand, we have the wisdom of God. These are the things that God does for us that don't make sense, like sending his son to die on a cross to save us from our sins. To us, that doesn't make sense. It's foolishness, but to God, it's wisdom. It's the things God tells us to do, the ways God tells us to act, the things that God calls us to step into and do with our lives that, that don't make logical sense. It's like 
Romans 13.1 where it says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there's no authority except from God and every authority that exists has been instituted by God. And it's like, well, God, have you not seen like our premier or our prime minister? Like, I don't agree with them, but you're telling me I need to listen? He's like, yeah. It's things like Proverbs 3.5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But God, I like my own understanding. I'm supposed to just lay that aside and trust you? Yeah. It's things like Exodus 14, 16, where the, the people of Israel are coming out of slavery in Egypt. They're being led by their leader, Moses, and they're coming out of slavery, and they come across the sea, the Red Sea, and they've got an enemy army, the Egyptians coming up behind them to take them back into slavery. And God tells Moses, Exodus 14, 16, lift up your rod, Moses, and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide it and he does it and he listens and he stretches out his hand it doesn't make sense but the sea divides israel crosses on dry ground and then collapses behind them and separates them from the enemy army it's the things that don't make sense it's the wisdom of man what makes logical sense to us versus the wisdom of god what he calls us to do in a, in a moment and, and david is in the stronghold where human wisdom says he should remain where human wisdom says he has the best chance of winning this war. But instead of staying stuck in the stronghold, David prays. He gets God's wisdom, and he goes out. And you know, I wonder how many of us would have that kind of faith. You know, the faith to rely on the, a word from God or the power of God over what makes logical sense to us in the moment. Because, you know, the thing with human wisdom is it's based on our knowledge. It's based on our experiences. If our knowledge is flawed, then our wisdom will be flawed. If we don't see the whole picture, our wisdom will be flawed. And that's why we need faith. It's why we need an active relationship with God. It's why we need to pursue a relationship with him because the wisdom of God is always available to us. We just have to be willing to listen, to wait, and to trust that when God calls us to do something, he will always prepare us for it. But you see, what's really cool with the story of David is that it doesn't actually end there. Enemy comes up against David. David camps out in the stronghold. He's like, God, what should I do? God's like, go out and face them. David goes out. He faces them. He defeats them. But it doesn't end there. Verse 22. But once again, the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And again, David asked the Lord what to do. And you know, this is striking to me. Because this is such a cool moment of faith enemy has come once. David defeated them once. They come again. Same place, same location. It's, everything is very similar, but instead of David relying on what he thought best or relying on what God did last time, David prays again. And I think this is telling because if I look at my own life, I don't know if I would have done what David did. Like, just being brutally honest, the first time the Philistines attacked and I was in a stronghold, it would have taken a lot to get me out of those gates. 
God would have had to be like, okay, if you don't leave, I'm going to destroy this city with a meteor or something like that. <laughs> like, I don't think I would have wanted to go out and attack them, but, but I can promise you if I had done that and I defeated them and they came back again, second time they came and be like, come on, men, we know what we need to do. Like, God did this last time. We're going to go out and we're going to march out and we're going to face them. But what David did, he didn't want to rely on what God had said last time. He wanted to rely on what God was saying in the moment. So David turns to God and he prays again. And this time God gives him a new strategy. Verse 23, David asked the Lord what to do. Do not attack them straight on, the Lord replied. Instead, circle around behind them and attack them near the poplar trees. When you hear a sound like marching feet in the tops of the poplar trees, be on alert. That will be the signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. So David did what the Lord commanded, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. He came around behind them. He attacked them from behind. He pushed them 10 kilometers north to the city of Gibeon and then 40 kilometers west back to the border of Philistia, their nation. All because he decided to trust God. See, the reality of the wisdom of God is that it always requires a relationship with God. If you want to have God's wisdom, you need to be willing to listen to him. It requires a willingness to listen to hear his voice and to obey his commands. To quote another pastor, Bill Johnson said, he put it this way, he said, wisdom is not just a deposit made into somebody who now has all the answers. Wouldn't that be cool? Just, God, give me wisdom. Oh, look at that. I'm perfect for the rest of my life. No. The key to wisdom is the ability to hear the voice of God. Wisdom is a relational fruit. For it to continue functioning, we must have an ongoing relationship with God and a desire to hear His voice in our lives. So as we close, I just want to ask you a couple questions. Nothing that you have to answer, just things to consider. When you are making a decision in your life, when you're trying to do the right thing with your life. What wisdom are you relying on? Whose wisdom are you relying on? Are you stuck in a stronghold, relying on your own wisdom, relying on what you think is best in the moment? Or are you willing to say to God, well, what you're telling me doesn't make sense, but I'm going to trust you no matter what. Are you stuck in a stronghold relying on what God told you last week? What God told you for your last season? What God told you to deal with your last problem? Or are you willing to pursue him in every moment, in every circumstance, to seek his word, to seek his wisdom, no matter what comes your way? Because I can promise you, you'll be safe in the stronghold. You'll be safe in the stronghold. But in the stronghold, you'll never be able to move into the destiny and calling that God actually has for your life. Because the second you decide to listen to God's voice, every, everything changes. You know, believe me, I've seen this many times in my life. The wisdom of God not making any sense, but 
following it brings me to something greater. It's why I'm here in Edmonton. I grew up in Ontario and I felt called to go to Bible college and I was like, well, there's a lot of great colleges in Ontario. I can beat me and my family. But God was like, no, 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 I need you to go to Edmonton. Like, okay. It's why in the midst of a pandemic this summer, me and my wife were able to buy a house where days after putting in our offer, as we're trying to finalize all the details, my wife gets laid off. And we're like, uh, what are we going to do? And God's like, will you trust me in this? It's why I can stand on the stage month after month and preach to you about how God is good and how God will come through in the midst of like the craziest times of most of our lives, some of the darkest periods of, of many of our lives. It's, it's why I can stand here and say, God will come through this. God will make a way through this because he's done it before and I know he will do it again. See, it might not make sense, but where you see an obstacle, God sees an opportunity. So as we close, in a moment, I'm going to get everyone to stand and we're going to pray together. But, but as we close, I just want to encourage everyone to, to do this one thing. It's examine your heart. Examine your motives. Examine your decision-making process. Ask yourself, am I relying on God's voice for my life? Or am I just relying on what I feel is best in the moment? Am I doing what God is actually calling me to do? Or am I doing what I feel is best? Have I been relying on God's voice or, or on human wisdom? And, and I just want to encourage you to, to make that decision to trust God no matter what. No matter what comes your way, no matter what circumstance you face, trust that God's got you. He loves you. He's protecting you. He's got you. And if He calls you to something, He will always prepare you for it. So Father God, I just pray over your people. Pray over each and every person in this room, in our overflow and online, God. I just pray that you will give us the strength to seek your voice even when it doesn't make sense. God, that in the midst of craziness in life, in the midst of problems in life, in the midst of big decisions where we're struggling, God, that we won't rely on what we think is best, but that we will rely fully on you. That before making a decision, we will say, God, what do you have for me? What are you calling me to, God? And we'll trust him no matter what, no matter how it feels, no matter how it seems, God, that we will trust you no matter what, God. God, I pray as we move through this week and through our lives, God, that you'll continue to reveal yourself in such drastic ways. That we will listen to you. And as we listen to you, we'll be brought forth into the beautiful mystery of what you have for our lives, God. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. <laughs>